So this morning, um, from the Lord, I, I felt to talk a little bit about, about the DNA of this family, of this house. Uh, I, I've titled the message Table Manners, and, and you'll see why in a moment. Um, I, often, I often preach when I come into local churches, including this one, uh, something that is maybe prophetic in edge, something that I feel the Lord is saying to you. And, and this morning, it's not prophetic at all. I, I, I don't really have anything prophetic to give you. Uh, I've given you my prophetic sense of what God is saying to you already. But this is more apostolic. And I, I want you to stay smiling at me. Can you just smile at me a little bit? Uh, because there may be moments through this message you don't want to smile. So I'm going to remind you of your commitment to stay smiling at me um, right through this message. I, I, I felt the Lord saying, I want to take the DNA of this house, of this family, and, and, and I, I want it to go airborne. I want it to expand. I want to spread it out. I want something of the DNA of what I'm doing with you to, to go airborne, to spread. I, I know one should never use virus analogies in a season where we've just had a pandemic. But, but, but in a sense, God is taking the heart and the DNA of this church. And he's taking you airborne. He is spreading you out. And uh, so the question then begs an answer is, okay, so what's that DNA again that he wants to spread? And, and, and that's why I'm here this morning. Uh, and when you grow up as children, I, I suppose as families, you make a big deal out of, of, of having manners at the table. I know many people don't eat at the table anymore. But I remember my mom, oh, jeez, she used to smack us over the back of the head. If we used to hold the fork wrong, you know, we, the, the fork, you can't hold, if you're holding both implements in your hands, the fork has to be in the left hand and the knife has to be in the right. You know, you can't do that. You can't hold a fork like this. It's just bad manners and, and all sorts of things. And whenever that happened, you know, we, we were five kids at the table. I was the oldest. We'd get a little smack on the back of the head, not little, a smack on the back of the head. Uh, because we were doing something wrong. You know, another thing you're not meant to do, my mom always used to say, you, you, if you know my mom, some of you do, you, you can't put your elbows on the table. You know, that's not allowed. You, you, you're only allowed to put it up halfway up. And if we put our elbows up, boop, there you went the smack on the back of the head again. Um, and also, you know, one of the things that we do, because we were quite an expressive family talking about all sorts of things at the breakfast table particularly, we always used to, you know, start making comments with implements in our hands, you know, like we wanted to murder someone. <laughs> yes, no, that's right. My mom, again, would give us a little smack on the back of the head. Put it down. Don't make a point with any implements in your hands. You see, every family has its ways, has its manners, has its things that live within a family. Um, I got adopted into a Zambian family for a season. I, I got to eat with a man every day who actually had to eat on his own because in the Zambian culture, a man wasn't allowed to eat with his wife and his daughters, only allowed to eat with his sons. And so because he had no sons, he would eat alone pretty much every dinner. And because I, we lived on this property and, and, and I kind of got adopted into, into that family because I used to go and eat with him as a 12, 13-year-old boy. I used to sit in his house and have many meals in his home eating with this man. And we ate all sorts of exotic things. Flying ants and mapani worms and rats. They were cane rats. We used to catch them. He taught me how to catch them. 
If you've ever eaten a rat, they're about this big. And it sounds horrible, but, but it, it tastes a bit, everything tastes a bit like chicken. <laughs> well, they did taste a bit like chicken. Uh, and, and we used to catch birds and all sorts of weird things. Anyway, I remember my mom, when, when, when times were a little pressing financially, she used to think, well, let me also cook some of these things. <laughs> well, she didn't do so well with cooking them. They certainly didn't taste like they tasted in this adopted home of mine. Um, but they are customs to certain things we do. I don't know whether you know this, but if you place anything on the floor in Mongolia, it's considered worthless and rubbish. So I remember my mate preaching in Mongolia, just trying to reach people with the gospel. And he's finished talking with the Bible. He puts the Bible on the ground. Everybody stopped listening to him. <laughs> just, you can't put anything on the ground. It's rubbish. Um, in Spain, if you throw your napkin on the floor uh, when you leave the table of a restaurant, it, that's a good thing. It shows that you were satisfied with the meal believe it or not. You, you know, your serviette, throw it on the floor. If you look in through the window of a restaurant, there's a lot of serviettes on the floor. It's a good restaurant to go to. <laughs> they were very happy with the meal. In the Philippines, it's considered rude to point. You don't point at anybody. So you use your lips. Go over there. <laughs> I'm just telling you, this is weird, I know. Uh, in Egypt, if you salt your food, you offend your host. Did you know that? You don't ever put salt on your food. You'll offend your host. In Egypt. In Venezuela, it's considered rude to show up early or on time for any engagement. If you show up on time, you're rude. Always be late if you go to anything in Venezuela. In Africa, people walking right next to each other, you will know this well, will talk in raised voices to each other, not to give the impression that they're hiding something in their conversation. All different things we do. If you write a person's name in red ink in Korea, it's because the person is dead, considered to be dead. So don't do that. And in Finland, it's standard practice to sauna with your hosts after dinner. Everybody does. So I'm up in Lappenranta on the edge of Russia, up in Finland. And I'm working with this church planting couple who are busy planting a church. And, and we have dinner and they say, we're going to sauna. Well, I also know that they mostly sauna in the nude. And, and the last thing in my mind, I'm just sitting with this church brownie couple in the nude, in a sauna, and I'm busy trying to help them. That is not going to happen. So I politely withdrew from the invitation to sauna. You get a feel in a house, don't you, when you walk in. Even when you walk into your home, you get a sense of what's going on within the walls of your house. Sometimes you walk into a house, you can... You can almost cut the atmosphere with a knife. It feels tense. It feels like there's abuse there, fighting. Even there's no noise. You can sense something going on within the house. There's no peace within the walls. Um, what things do we believe need to be taught here? What, what manners, what things do we do that need to live within this house? Deuteronomy 4.9 says these words, Only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest you depart from your heart all the days of your, lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. What needs to live here? What needs to be known to our children and our children's children? 
what do we want to live in this apostolic family? In 1 Corinthians 3.15, 1 Timothy 3.15, it says, You may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and a buttress of truth. There is a way. There's a way. There's a way we behave. There's a way we do life together in the life of a local church. So I want to say this first. There are certain things we don't do here. And I can say this with a certain degree of confidence because I think I know you well enough. And I've been around long enough to be able to say as a little bit of a father keeping the smile on your face, remember you promised you'd smile, that, that certain things we just don't do here. We don't put, we don't put our elbows up on the table. And, and if you do, I think sometimes you can, hey, we don't do that here. The first thing that we don't do here is we don't live self-centered lives where it's all about us. We just don't. Now, whenever people make stuff about themselves, it's all about me, what's good for me, what's good in the church, how does this worship suit me, whether there's this or that or components that are going on that are, it doesn't really work, we make it all about ourselves. Here, we don't make it about ourselves. And if you want to make it all about yourself and your own story and your own thing and what you like and then you can, you can expect like my mom, you know, fork goes in the hand, bah, okay, fork down. Why? Because it's not what we do. It's not about you. It's about the king. It's about Jesus. It's not about us. Romans 11.36, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. This is about Jesus. If you, if you want to smack over the head, now I'm, it's, a, it's a metaphorical smack. But if you want a little tap over the head, says, no, we don't do that here. Just make everything about you and not about Jesus. That's not how we do church here. The second thing I want to say is we don't get religious, do we? Right? We're not a religious people. And, and so, you know, there's some strange things people do. I, I remember one of, we arrived into South Africa. And we arrived into this mission context. And there was a man there who, who every time we prayed, he would rub his hands. He'd stand there. Like, I don't know what he was trying to do. Heat up the palms. I don't know what he was trying to do. So she's rub, 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 and, and that was part of his, like, rhythm for prayer. I remember another church I went into in Africa. We, we, we'd stand up. They'd all stand up. Let's all pray. And then they'd close all the doors and windows. I don't know whether they were afraid of the devil coming in or the spirit leaving. I, I, I don't know. Weird stuff. We don't do weird stuff here. <laughs> we just don't. If, if we're, not a, we're not a weird, strange people. We want to be authentic and real with each other. We want to love Jesus in an authentic way. That's what we do here. Um, a man once said, inauthenticity among the ranks of those claiming to be Christians can become an almost insurmountable barrier to belief. When we're inauthentic, when we just do strange and weird things, people look at us and say, oh, no, thank you. Don't want any of that. That's just odd. That's just weird. You know, amen is every second word and you know, some people, they know how to quote scripture, but they only know how to quote those promised scriptures. I'm the tail and not the head. I mean, you know, the head and not the tail, and I'm first and not the last. And they quote all those, and they quote it in every prayer they pray. Ah, I, I'm not against you 
praying that way. It's fine if you want to pray that way. But it's not the DNA of this house. We want to be free here. We want to be authentic and open and connected to the living source of life, Jesus Christ. That's what this church is about. That's what this DNA is about in this house. We don't need to pray certain ways. We don't need to clap certain ways. We don't need to shout to feel closer to the Lord. Um, You just need life. We just need authentic life together. Um, Isn't it funny that uh, life, whenever there's life in a place, and and I'm I'm looking forward to more young people being in this audience. I I don't know about you, but I am. I want to see more young people. You say, well, some of you may count yourself as young. Well, I'm not young anymore. I'm 60. And I've got four grandkids. So I'm, I'm still thinking, hey, you know, I feel young. But I'm not. And neither are most of you. But there are a few sitting here in and amongst us. And I want to say this. Some young people that come and are part of a local church are really part of a church because they kind of come on the arms of their parents. But there comes a point when they have to make their own decision, doesn't it? When they have to decide, hey, I'm part of this local church. This is my church. And young people are not loyal. Have you noticed that? They're not loyal to a church. That when they can make that decision, they go where there is life. Always. Life, friends. The life of God in our midst. The promises of God at work. People getting healed, restored, delivered, life. You know, you sit in Ashbury College over in the U.S. The guys were just reporting back and up. It's, it's, honestly, it's weird. There's nothing powerful about the worship. They're singing old songs. It's a Methodist university, for goodness sake. But the, the life of God is there. No stars, no superstars, no amazing worship leaders. Nothing spectacular going on. And yet people, young people are flocking in. You know they have to keep all the old people out. So no, you can't come here. Go worship Jesus on the lawn. God's doing something amongst young people. They kept them out. Terry Job and all these great worship leaders all come to experience the presence of God at Ashbury. Guess where they're worshiping? Out on the lawn. Because God's doing something with young people. Can we begin to believe again? Not 10, 20, 30, 100 young people in this audience worshiping Jesus together. Why? Because it says something about the life of God in our midst. It's time to, it's time to open the doors. It's time to believe again. It's time to say, let's look beyond Jericho at the promise of God again for this church. Come on. Smile at me, please. Uh, One other thing that's just meant more to me than anything else through this season is the words of Jesus' mother, earthly mother, that says to the servants, do whatever he says. Do that. We're going to stick with doing whatever he says. When we do what he says, stuff happens. When we do what he says, ordinary jars and ordinary water becomes a miracle. Ordinary stuff takes on different proportions. Ordinary stuff in a Methodist college singing old songs from the ark days. Ordinary stuff. But when we do what he says, life can flood through it. 
That's what we need. That's what we desire. Number three, we don't hide things here. We don't hide our stuff from one another. We live open-hearted lives with each other. It's how we do life with one another. We don't have to hide our nonsense and our stuff and things. No, we speak out quickly. Isn't it funny? I, I had a call while I was a pastor. I had a call in the middle of the night. Somebody calls this. My marriage is falling apart. Please, Peter, help us. Come now. I think, hang on. This was half past 11 at night. I was fast asleep when the call came in. Back then, we used to have landlines. Couldn't, you know. Well, I suppose we had answering machines, but I didn't have one. And so I'm answering this desperate call. And I said, no, I'm not coming tonight. I'm going back to bed to sleep. I said, the problem is your marriage did not fall apart tonight. It fell apart over many, many months. Many months. And the problem for many people, when they speak up, it's already too late, isn't it? <laughs> you know, the mo- you know the, take the proverbial motor car. The engine's out and the wheels are off. So come and help us. Well, it would have been helpful if you phoned when the oil was out the motor and we could put some new oil in rather than when the motor's gone and the wheels are off and everything is gone. We are not that kind of church. We're a church that owns up to our stuff and speaks up early and says, hey, this is where I'm at and God can help me and we can pray with one another and we can stand together and believe for a miracle and believe for a breakthrough. That's the kind of church we are. I hope you can see it. 1 John 1, 6 says, If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. The fourth thing we don't do here is we don't carry offense. Now, already maybe this morning you may have thought, well, Peter, that's a bit of a, it's a bit of a topic you picked this morning. Uh, we, we, you know, you, you're normally quite encouraging. Right? This is a bit of a thing. Clear your heart out quickly. Allow God to speak to you quickly. Don't carry stuff around that builds up like little, you know, little walls on the inside of you that, that suddenly the, the enemy gets a hold and it, and it breaks you and it hurts you. And so many of God's people are hurt simply because they get hurt by things people say and stuff that's going on from other churches. And, and, and it happens all the time, friends. Most people that arrive into local churches, they will tell you a story, most people, saying, you don't know what happened to me. I want to say to you, could you live free here? Could you say, hey, I live with short accounts here. I'm just not going to let all that stuff build up in my life and build barriers and struggles and, you know, this and that happened to me. No, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to let that go. I'm not going to live offended at anyone. Uh, uh, If someone unintentionally poked a finger in your eye, it, it, it may even be intentionally at times. No, geez. There we go. Maybe I'm poking a finger in your eye today. Smile, please. please. Help me. Help me. <laughs> Maybe I am. Maybe you feel, hey, Pete, why are you poking me in the eye? Because God wants you to live with short accounts. He wants you to live whole and healed with him. 
doesn't want you to be broken and things by what people say. He wants you to live in communication and connection with him. Quickly, deal with your stuff. Walk away from it. What do we do here in this house? We live in the grace of God here. We live in the grace of God here. It's the kind of house this is. I did not save myself, and none of you did. You didn't hold it all together and grab yourself by the scruff of the neck and make sure that you were good enough to be accepted by God because none of that stuff was any good to God. He saved you. He transformed you. It was all by grace. It was not your works. It was not anything to do with you. For it says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. God, God, the Father, makes Jesus sin for us. He takes all of the sin of the world, all of the sin in the past, all of the sin in the present, all of the sin in the future, and he places it into his son. And he dies upon a cross so that all sin can be paid for in one moment. All your future stuff died in Jesus Christ. All the stuff that you're dealing with died in Jesus Christ. God, the Father, made him Jesus sin so that we could be the righteousness of God. So we could live free. He puts on Jesus everything so that we could live the life that his son lived. That we could be sons and daughters. I don't know whether you get the consequences of that idea. But I want to tell you, that's the grace of God expressed this morning over your life. And if you're living in some other way, trying to figure out how you can do better with God and why God is punishing you now because, man, stuff's not going well for you and I think God's after me and I'm not quoting enough, I'm not reading enough, I'm not praying enough, I'm not doing enough. I want you to know all your stuff was put into Jesus. And it all died upon the cross. And there is nothing you can do to find more pleasure from God because you already have it. If that doesn't set you free, I don't know what will. Bono writes this, he says, The scripture, that the scriptures are brimful of hustlers and murderers and cowards and adulterers and mercenaries used to shock me. Now it's a source of great comfort. Scripture is full of broken people. That should give us comfort. God loves us. He died for us. All of our stuff died with Christ upon the cross. For by grace you've been saved through faith. It is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. This house is a house of God's grace. It's who we are. It's what we're about. Second thing I want to say about this house is that we lead ourselves well here. We look after our own stuff. What I mean by that is the first, the first principle is that, that in, in the scriptures when we come to God and he does this amazing, we have a response to his amazing stuff. And, and we're not expecting, you know, Brent or Tim to walk that response out. You know, you, you, you're responsible 
for making sure that I walk right with God. No. I am. I'm responsible for walking out my stuff with God. I have to lead myself well. I've got to sort out my own heart and my own mind and my own stuff. It's my responsibility. I can't blame someone else. And they devoted themselves, Acts 2.42 says. They gave themselves to the principles of how the church grew. Um, it's funny how we often come to church, and I know I've used this example before, but we come to church and we stick on a bib and we say, you know, feed me. Give me stuff now. Feed me. Maybe I'm not doing a good job this morning of feeding you. You feel, you know, I don't know, maybe you're feeling a bit forced. Oh, Pete, it's a bit hard. I, I don't know. But we come feed me and say, Tim, feed me, and Brent, feed me, feed me. And, and we're sitting in our chairs and we go, we're no bigger and bigger. We're not, we're not, nobody's helping you by doing that. And you run around and say, this church is not feeding me enough, so I'm going to go to another church that feeds me more. Actually, your responsibility is to feed yourself. Biblically. I'll show it to you. John 14, 26, but the help of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. I'm not saying preaching is not helpful. I'm not saying what happens from this pulpit cannot help you along the journey, but I'm saying we have to not sit and just devour. We can do that on the internet every day of the week, and we have the best worship and the best preaching from all around the world, and we just go, hmm, blow up like bloated people doing nothing. That's not how we live here. It's not what we do in this church. It's not what City Hill is about. It's not the DNA that we want to go airborne. The DNA that we want to spread. It's not that DNA. We look after ourselves well because Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it flows the issues of life. Keep your heart. Another one. I think I've got time for one more. Stay flexible and open to the Holy Spirit. It's the kind of church we are. We want to be flexible and open to God. We want things to move. Things, you know, hey, so, you know, sometimes, sometimes we'll go through the worship set. I'm just being real. Sometimes you go through the worship set, this, this is not working. But you know, we're so used to going through all the songs that we think to ourselves, we can't change. Yes, you can. Stop. Let's pray. Let's do something else. Let's find out what God is doing, what God wants to break through in our lives, the life that God wants to bring to us, instead of just kind of, you know, the whole analogy of saying, you know, if the horse is dead, dismount. Stop cracking the whip on it. You know, sometimes if there's no life in what you're doing, stop it. It's a sign. Listen to God. Do what there's life in. Dismount. Sometimes. Let's flow with God. We're the kind of church that want to be open to the life of God, the life of the Spirit. We want to be listening to Him and what He is saying. It's the kind of church City Hill is. I'm reminding you of the kind of church you are, where the prophetic is flowing, where life is flowing, where people have words, where we are queuing up. It's like, I feel the Lord is speaking to me. Oh, well, we can't have all those words. I understand, but that's their problem, whether they say no to you or yes to you. But at least we've got 10 people lining up wanting to say something from the Lord. 
It's the kind of church we are. I have a word for you. It's not over. Right? God says, I've still got plans. There are things for your life. Don't get so down. Don't drop your eyes so much. Lift them up again. Why did I say that to him? Just because the Lord spoke it to me. It's time for us to speak to one another. Open to the Holy Spirit. Open to what the Lord is saying. Speak life over one another. It's the kind of church City Hill is. Number four, I think I can make one more. Is we live passionate lives here. I, I, I know that uh, maybe, maybe, you, you, maybe you come from somewhere where everything was pretty, you know, ordered. Uh, we're not ordered. You, you, may, you maybe say, well, it'd be nice if it was all ordered and all structured and all boxed. Mm. When, when the passion of God gets a hold of people, it, it loses order. Do you know what? I think that's a good thing. When the Spirit of the Lord fills us with His life and with His power, you know, you may just feel the need to, you know, do a little Mandela or a little something. You know, because maybe you're not a dancer. I'm not a dancer. I just hop. I just hop on the spot. But it's time to hop again. Where's the dancing gone? Where's the passion, the life? We're a passionate people. Full of life for God. I'm reminding you of the people that you are. Because this is the DNA that's going viral. This is the DNA that's going into the skies, into the heavens, and getting caught by other people. Watch. Watch. This is what God wants to do with you. Romans 12, 11, Do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit and serve the Lord. Maybe you're not used to much outside the box. I want to encourage you next Sunday, just step a little bit outside your box. Regular toe if you have to. I don't know. Clap. Where's clapping gone? I'm just saying, where's, where's it gone? It seems to have disappeared from church life. We don't clap anymore. Corporate singing. I don't know. If you can't sing the words, sing your own words. Because passion, life for Jesus, excitement for the kingdom of God is what this is all about. I've just come back from the U.S. I'm semi-hungover. No, it's not true. Jet-lagged is the word that one should use. And I'm off to, I'm off to Uganda this afternoon to speak to 1,600 pastors in Kampala. Why? Because there is nothing like this gospel that we have. It's nothing. There is nothing like this life that we have with Jesus. And some of you just got caught up in the immediate battles of your life and Jericho's in all your focus and the struggles of family and this and that and issues. Stop it. Let the life of God come back to you. It's time to dance again, clap again, sing again. And maybe you, you just got used to doing your own thing back there. Back there somewhere in the back. Maybe. And maybe I'm going to poke my finger in your eye. Live short accounts with God. It's not the Lord speaking to you. 
It's time to get up. Maybe it's time to come a little forward. Come a little. Maybe some of you up there in the back row, some of the young people up at the back there, maybe you're hiding back there. Maybe it's time to worship. Maybe it's time to come worship. Show these old toppies what life is about. Come on. I, 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 I was one last story. I promise. I promise. I'm, I'm done. I'm, yeah, nearly done. I, I, in, in the church up in Hillcrest, I was worried. I thought, where are all the young people disappearing to? I was worried. I thought, they were, I'm looking around. I'm seeing a lot of old grades. I'm thinking, that bothers me. So I said one Sunday morning, I said, okay, anybody over the age of 22 and anybody under the age of 12, leave. I said, today you're not hanging around chatting. Go. Go out. Into the foyer, have coffee. We're closing the doors on you. Leave. Please. So they all left. And I said, everybody between the ages of 12 and 22, come down here to the front. I want to talk to you. So I remember... There were more than I thought there were that morning. There was a whole bunch of them, a couple of hundred. And, and I, I remember standing there, and I, whoa, there we go. Did a, did a chair give way? I don't know. Anyway, it's just for punctuation. <laughs> so I'm standing here with this bunch of young people, and I'm saying, guys, the problem with all these old toppies out there, they think it's their church. But it's yours. I want to hear your voice. I want to hear you. I want, I want to see you lead. I want to see you prophesy. I want to see you give, give, give the passionate life and glory and worship that Jesus deserves. I want you to live that out in front of all these old people. And stop letting them take all the front of the church and you take all the back. Come take all the front rows. Come worship. Take up the front space. You're not allowed to take Tim's seat. No, I'm kidding. You can, take, you can even take his seat. Come worship. Come show what a passionate life for Jesus is like. That's the season we're in. That's the life that God wants to go airborne here. That's the passion and the worship that we give in honor and glory of our King. Time to make space. Can you make space in your heart? Some of you know that sometimes the sound gets a bit louder when young people get involved. Have you noticed that? They like loud. And I mean, as I get older, I get a little more uncomfortable with loud. That's not true, actually. I like loud. I just can't hear so well anymore, so it doesn't matter so much. <laughs> but if you have to bring earplugs, bring earplugs if you have to. Because making space and room is important. We're, gonna, we're not going to lead. Hey, is that a young person who wants to come and sit in the front row? Come on. Come on, come on, come on. It's right here for you. Prophetically. Come on. Come on. Good. A passion and a love for Jesus. Come on. This is the DNA of this house. If you live some of that other stuff, and you get grumpy and self-absorbed and all about you and inauthentic and weird and religious, you know what? My mom used to grab the fork and tap us on the back of the head say, hey, arms off the table and never speak with a fork in your hand. Right? Which is what I'm doing now. For effect. 
What's the DNA here? What's the manners of this house? What do we tell our children and our children's children? What lives here? Because I think God wants to take your DNA airborne. He wants to spread the heart of what he is doing here to everybody. He wants the double blessing that he's promised on you to spread out over this community. That's the word of the Lord to you today. Could you smile again, just for my sake? I know, I know it was a bit apostolic, a bit kind of, yay, hey. You know? Make sharp now, right? It's a little like that today. But it's okay. It's okay. Because God's speaking to us. He's calling us to a life beyond the walls. A life that goes out there. A life that is lived in passion and love for Jesus. So Lord, stand up on your feet. Everybody, come. Young men, come. Now that you walk all the way up here, come. Join me. Come, come. You're coming with. You're not doing it alone. Come. Father, I thank you this morning. Spirit of the living God. I thank you for a new move of your Holy Spirit in this church. I thank you, Father, that this season ahead is a season. It's not a season of young people. It's a season of your life. It's a season of your Holy Spirit. Kayla, you come join us as well. Come, come. We need a girl. Can't let all these guys dominate everything. Can't let these guys dominate everything. Yeah, there we go. Come on now. Come on now. Come on now. Come on now. I thank you, Father, that prophetically a statement is made this morning. Even this morning, as these young men and women stand in front of us today, that it is not the church of the future. No, it's today. It's now. And that life can be expressed through them. Life of your spirit can be expressed through them. That words come out of them. Life comes out of them. Prophetic voices and words and dancing and passion for Jesus. Something fresh and new that actually is an example to all of us. Don't let, you, don't let your youthfulness, Paul says to, to Timothy, don't, but let it be an example to everyone, your passion, your life. And so God has an example in front of you today. It's time to say this DNA of this church is going airborne. God's spreading something out. And this is an, a prophetic example of that thing right here, right now, in Jesus' name. Anoint each one, I pray. Empower them. A new sense of passion and life in them, I pray, from today. In Jesus' name, amen.